Back with another episode of Can You Dig It, a podcast by Silver Screen and Roll and SB Nation Lakers community. I am one of your hosts, Christian Rivas, and the other host is the incomparable Jacob Rood, of course. Joining us all the way from Indiana. Where in Indiana? I'll never know. <laughs> I imagine the first cornfield you see, make a right. Uh, that's a terrible. It's terrible directions because there are so many cornfields, but yeah. I said the first cornfield you see, just make a right, and there's a little cottage that Jacob lives in. <laughs> sure. And, uh, <laughs> uh, Jacob, how are you doing, pal? It's getting it's getting awfully chilly here. I do not want you to respond with how the weather is in L.A., um, but it is getting cold here. So it's, I, getting pretty co- it's getting pretty cold here, too. Um, let's see. Let me, let me pull out. It's the 40 old degrees right now. And I, I'm going to say it's like 25 degrees warmer there. Okay. Yeah. So it's 59. Oh no. Right now. It's really cold outside. I'm not going to lie. I went, I went to go, I went with my younger brother to pick up Panda Express for my family. And, uh, which is probably the finest Asian cuisine you have in Indiana. I love Panda Express. <laughs> go on. <laughs> uh, but tomorrow it says uh, it should be 84 in the morning. Oh, I hate you. And then uh, Saturday and Sunday in the 90s. So not too bad over here. But, uh, I mean, I'm sure things are just as nice in, in rural Indiana. I have to cover um, a football game on Friday where the low is 22. So keep me oh. in your thoughts. <laughs> that sounds horrible. Um, not, that, not that there's, I don't know. I hope none of our listeners are from Indiana because I really I just I just hate to rag on the state of Indiana for so long. And I feel like especially bad because it's not like you moved to Indiana for work. This is your home. This is oh, where well, I mean, I don't like it any more than you do. So <laughs> I'm not I'm not defending it for the most part. Uh, on the opposite side of that coin, things not Indiana. The Lakers are are playing really well. And the Indiana Pacers aren't. Is is in uh, b- before we start talking about <laughs> the thing we're paid to talk about? Um, is Indiana a big basketball like state? Wait, is that are you being honest? Is that a legitimate question? Yeah. Oh my God, they're a massive basketball state. Oh really? Yeah, high school basketball here is like absolutely insane. Like, want to say like fourteen of the fifteen biggest high school gyms. Are in Indiana. Uh, one of them I grew up near, high school gym, uh, seats about 10,000 people. Um, and then, yeah, college. There are a lot of Pacer fans here. They did win tonight, but they lost to the Hornets last night. And they are they have not been great. Oh, you know what? I didn't even see that the Pacers are 500 now. I just remember them getting off to such a bad start. But I was just like, well, I guess these are the Pacers. How bad does does Milwaukee look for letting Malcolm Brogdon go? The, and well, not even just that, but also signing Eric Bledsoe, who apparently tonight, <laughs> I don't know if you saw it, but forgot how to inbound a yeah. basketball. 
He dribbled it in bounds. Which I can't rag on him too much because I distinctly remember Lamar Odom doing that. But yeah, uh that Eric Bledsoe extension, like they didn't even get to the end of the year before that looked like a terrible extension. Yeah. That he was dreadful in the playoffs and he has not been great this year. He's uh shooting I just had it pulled up. He's averaging 14 points a game, 23% from three. Oh, that's bad. That's, like, really bad. 43% from the field, 23% from three, 68% from the line, and is making an absurd amount of money this year. That's about what Kyle Kuzma's averaging from the field, but he hasn't played since August. So, I think that's the big difference there. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, the good news is that when uh, Anthony Davis resigns and the Lakers are short on cash, they'll throw together a package for Eric Bledsoe. Is so, he a clutch guy? He is a clutch guy. Clutch oh, guy. no. <laughs> Somebody I, I call mean, up I, Darren Collison first. <laughs> I wouldn't mind. That was weird. That, I, I'm assuming you brought that up because of that weird cryptic like Instagram post he put up and then immediately deleted of... A Lakers and Clippers logo. Yeah, I didn't even see if there was like a caption with it. It all no. I saw was just like a random picture. I think it was the thinking emoji and then the eyeballs emoji. Huh? huh I did not see yeah. that. Uh, Pretty interesting. I mean, if <laughs> I were the Lakers, interest. I would be calling him like weekly. Like, uh, are you really <laughs> sure you don't want to play basketball? Like, we can wait until like February and bring you on. Like, is that cool? Yeah, there's, um, I don't know. We, I mean, I've shared my thoughts on this roster before, but having a starting caliber guard on this team would be fantastic. I think Alex Caruso is that, and we'll talk about him a little bit um, as we talk about this successful road trip the Lakers had this past week. But, yeah, I think the more Alex Caruso plays, the more I'm just like, why isn't this dude starting? I think Avery Bradley has done a fine job, but if Frank Vogel's dead set on getting Rajon Rondo like second unit minutes with Anthony Davis, then you gotta you gotta start Alex Caruso. Like I think that's the only way he he gets the minutes he deserves because that game against Chicago on was it Tuesday? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I'm not joking. As soon as Alex Caruso checked into the game, and I understand he played before that, but as soon as that sub was made, that unit went on a run, um, and it's not in spite of him. Like He has such active hands on defense. I understand the offense isn't where he or the Lakers probably want it to be, but defensively, that dude is solid. It's not the first time either that he's come into the game and then the team like immediately goes on a run. Like... I want to say the Utah game it was where he came in in the second half and they went on that big run to blow the game open. Um, He is second on the team. Well, I'm not counting Kuzma or Kostas. He is second on the team in defensive rating right now. Um, And it's, one, it's really surprising because KCP is first. Yeah. (laughs) And two, he's only a tenth of a point behind KCP. So... He's been really, really good defensively this year. Um, 
it'd be interesting. I mean, we talked about it a little bit. With Rondo coming back, I think it might be his minutes that get squeezed out. I don't know. I think he showed last night, well, Tuesday when you're listening to this, uh, that you can, he can play some of the two guard because him and Quinn Cook closed the game together. Um, yeah. That might be a little bit of a kind of a saving grace for him. Um, maybe that means it's Troy Daniels that has his minutes all the way cut. Um, they have some weird ju- like juggling to do because... Kuzma didn't look great until that fourth quarter on Tuesday either. Yeah, that that game against Chicago, we'll spend some time on it. I know um, Alex and Alex, who came up with the podcast name Taco Tuesday. That was a great name. Which, yeah, that's that's a name I've been waiting to use since I was like 17 and wanted <laughs> to start a podcast. And they there they there they went. They did it. Same spelling and everything. Um, so shout out to those guys. They did a really good uh, recap of the game. Check it out if you haven't. It's pretty evergreen because they the Lakers don't play again until Friday. Um, but yeah, that that Chicago game. Boy, is it frustrating to watch the Lakers get off the slow starts. I, and I don't know what can be done to change that. But it, it is very annoying. <laughs> I go back and forth on, like, how concerning, like, how, well, I guess how I should feel about it. Because, like, on one hand, it's nice that they can, like, flip a switch and realize, I guess, kind of what they're doing wrong and make some adjustments and then, like, get white hot for a stretch and then the game's over because they just blew it out. But also, I kind of go back and forth because... That's going to bite them like when they start playing right. better teams. They can't afford to get down big in the first quarter because those better teams aren't going to give you the ability to get back into the game. So, like, it's kind of a double-edged sword. Like, it's awesome that they can get themselves back into these games and play incredible in the second half, but you can't keep spotting the other team 15 points in the first half. Yeah, definitely not a recipe for success. And, like, honestly, as just a basketball fan, watching that fourth quarter comeback is really fun. Mm-hmm. Like, I was pumped. These last few games, the Dallas game, the Chicago game, I've been absolutely pumped. Even the San Antonio game, which I didn't watch live, um, but I remember logging onto Twitter and seeing that Contavious Caldwell Pope. And Dwight Howard led the charge in the fourth quarter. (laughs) And uh, I was like, well, this should be an interesting one, especially (laughs) if they won. If that was if those were the tweets and they lost, I'd be far more interested. Um, The fact that they won was a little better. So, yeah, I I, again, I I know um, our friend Anthony Irwin has talked about this quite a bit on Twitter, but it I, I I wonder how much of this goes or how much stock you should put into these starts um, and as it pertains to the starters and, and the players Frank Vogel is putting out on the floor. And that starts with, of course, JaVale McGee, who has shown flashes this season. Like, there are stretches where the Lakers have gone cold, uh, where it's just nice to have a really big body in the center. Um, I think it was the game against San Antonio. He had a nice little baby hook that looked nice i think he might have posted it on his instagram page um 
But otherwise, I, Dwight Howard has outplayed not just JaVale McGee, but most players on that roster uh, through the first seven games of the season. I think the only two guys he hasn't outplayed are AD and LeBron. Dwight. Yeah. Um, I'm not... I don't know that they necessarily need to change that starting lineup. I was looking before we went live, because I thought this was the case. So that starting lineup in the first quarter this year, uh, 35 minutes, they have a negative 18.3 net rating Mm -hmm. in the first quarter. But in the third quarter, they played 31 minutes, exact same group. Yeah. And it's plus 14.6. So... Yeah. I don't quite understand what the big difference is. I don't know if it's like a a focus thing or like a... I don't think it's an X's and O's thing that they're not adjusting. I don't know if they just like... I don't know. It's just really hard to explain. I don't know that it's underestimating the opponent. I mean, it might have been a little bit of that against Chicago. And I guess they did it against Memphis too. But I don't know if they just come out like thinking they can sleepwalk through a game and then are like, damn, we're going to have to actually play. And then they start playing and like, (laughs) they're fine. But like the first quarters have just been really bad for the Lakers this year. Um, But I mean, yeah, JaVale and in that starting lineup has been fine in the third quarter. And my other kind of question as to whether to bring with Dwight into the starting lineup is if JaVale is playing bad and you put him on the bench for a bench unit that has like really relied on Dwight yeah. to succeed, like then your bench is going to be really bad. So I think for now you leave JaVale in there and try to figure it out. I would almost start Kuzma before I'd start Dwight just mm-hmm. because I think Dwight is so useful as a off the bench, bringing that the level of energy he brings every night, which is just a wild know. sentence to say. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know if you uh, read Mark Stein's uh, newsletter for Mm-mm. the New York Times, um, but I was I scanned through it this morning, and then uh, our friend uh, Jeannie, uh, who is the girlfriend of Laker Film Room Pizzaeus, which shout out to the homie doing big things on Spectrum Sportsnet. Absolutely. Love you big love you big fella. Um the she she mentioned that Mark Stein alluded to the fact that Kyle Kuzma, once he's fully healthy, is gonna be starting. Oh. Um and I did not catch that upon my first read of it. But I did read it again, and that is very much what he was suggesting. Um, let me see. What the I don't want to misquote him, uh, but here's what he said. Hold on, hold on. Give me one second. Okay. He said, uh, quote, Kyle Kuzma, meanwhile, has only just returned from the foot ailment that prevented him from representing the United States at the FIBA World Cup in in September. So another potential boost looms for the Lakers when he finally moves into his projected spot in the starting lineup. Um, Mark Stein's pretty spot on with most of the things he reports. So I don't know if um, 
him just throwing something like that out there should be taken with a grain of salt. Uh, but that would also surprise me, given how much Anthony Davis has been vocal about not wanting to play center, which uh, I, I think has been overblown. Um, but the fact that he said it makes me think the Lakers aren't willing to like push that brown boundary as much as they can. So I don't know. I do not know what to think of that. Uh, and I'm interested to hear your thoughts. I th- That's interesting because I was just sitting here trying to think. I would assume he would start for JaVale. And then I would almost think that takes JaVale out of the rotation because it'd be really hard to give kind of rotation minutes to two guys that are traditional centers and Dwight and JaVale. Um, I mean, I can't see them taking Avery Bradley out of the starting lineup because I do think he's played well this year. Um, So that's interesting. I'm not sure... I mean, I wouldn't be against taking JaVale out of the rotation right now because he's been pretty poor, especially at the uh, with bringing Kuzma in once he gets back to full speed. But that, like you said, means Anthony Davis is playing the five to start the game. Yeah. Um, which I agree it's been a little overblown, but you're pretty much just straight up calling his bluff at that point and saying, <laughs> nah, you're going to play the five. So I'd be interested in interested to see how that would work if he does move into the starting lineup I mean I I don't remember it might have been you that was tweeting it the other night about how he fits into even a closing lineup if Dwight's gonna right close as well yeah and that that's that's really interesting we'll talk about Kuzma for a sec because uh, I think he is worth talking about particularly in that game against Chicago shots just weren't falling for him especially from three i think he started the game like o of three and then finally hit one in the third or fourth quarter um point is kyle kuzma didn't start looking like himself until like late in the fourth quarter but when he did there was kind of like this at least at least for me there was kind of a like oh duh moment mm-hmm. um because when LeBron James and Anthony Davis are resting, that's exactly what you want from Kyle Kuzma. It's him attacking the basket, getting his shots off, running the offense through him. Um, and I think ideally, once the team is healthy, uh, knock on wood, <laughs> that day if ever, ever comes. Yeah. That rotation, or at least that core three in the second unit is going to be Alex Caruso, Kyle Kuzma, and Dwight Howard with a sprinkle of Contavious Caldwell Pope, depending on how he looks on that on, on that given night. I think that's a, a solid trio to have off the bench, particularly with Kuzma, because he I, I, I wouldn't go as far as to say he, he's shaken the rust off, but he definitely looks more like the player he's been the last two years, and I think that's pretty exciting for Lakers fans and the Lakers. Yeah, the best... I guess the second best thing other than getting the win that happened for the Lakers on Tuesday was that Kyle Kuzma finally got going again. Um, Because, yeah, up until then, particularly in that game, he had looked pretty rough in his return, which I think he had a quote that came out and said he's that basically, I mean, the team's not even practicing right now, obviously, on the road trip. But so, like, he's not even practicing right now, which would... uh, 
makes sense why he's looked so rough if he's not even really get, able to get in practice reps. So them returning home yeah. is is helpful in that regard. But he uh, it'll be interesting to see just kind of where he juggles in and where he fits in. Because, yeah, he – I mean, ideally you don't ever want Davis and LeBron – sitting at the same time. Uh, Vogel's done a pretty decent job of staggering those guys, but it's a little more bearable if Kuzma... I mean, he's not going to play like he did the fourth quarter of Tuesday every night, but yeah. if Kuzma's your main guy out there, you may be able to get by with it for like a short stretch before bringing one of them back, but um, yeah, that those bench units are going to be built... Uh, built around Caruso, Kuzma, and Dwight. So getting Kuzma back on track was really, I think, the the second biggest win of Tuesday. And, I mean, almost this road trip as a whole, like to get him going again and get him back integrated into this rotation because there's a lot of things this team misses that he can be the missing piece for. Right. And another player I want to highlight for similar reasons um, that Kuzma is so valuable is Quinn Cook because going into the regular season and even leaking into the regular season, I wasn't too high on Quinn Cook's fit with the team. Um, I mean, I I understand the value in his three-point shooting. I think I said on last week's show that I think I value Troy Daniels a little more. Just because he tries on the defensive end. not That's not to say Quinn Cook doesn't. It's just his size and mm-hmm. foot speed. It, he just gets ran through on most possessions. Uh, but he was huge against Chicago. And having two guys that can create their own shot in Quinn Cook and Kyle Kuzma, um, not terribly efficient, mind you, guys that can create their own shot, Quinn Cook put up a pretty wild shot against Chicago um, <laughs> from that left baseline that that I thought was pretty funny. Um, good thing they ended up winning or else it would have been less funny. But um, I think th- it is important because since the season started, all we've talked about is how much the Lakers could use another ball handler that can create their own shot. And while Quinn Cook isn't the perfect version of that, he is a version of that. And I think the mistakes he makes on defense and his deficiencies on that end of the floor are hidden a little better when you play him with a guy like Alex Caruso or Contavious Caldwell Pope. So um, hiding him is going to be big to to the Lakers' success. And but again, we go back to this guard rotation. You can't play Quinn Cook and Troy Daniels on the floor at the same time unless you have LeBron James and Anthony Davis on the floor. But even then. I think you're giving up too much defensively um, to work all those guards into the rotation. So uh, it's November 6th right now. Got another month uh, and a week, I guess, until that December 15th trade embargo is lifted. Uh, And I fully expect the Lakers to do their due diligence in in trying to clear that log jam in the backcourt. And I think it probably will start with uh, either – either one of Rajon Ronda or Troy Daniels, um, particularly if Andre Iguodala becomes available during that time. Do you think how well the team has played without Rondo would make them more willing to trade him? Just uh, See, the word trade, I don't know if I'd use it. 
because that would mean the Lakers would get something of equal value to Rondo. And a team might value his locker room presence and his intangibles, which I wouldn't fault them because I think, and I've, I've talked about, we, we talked about this even in the preseason. Rondo's biggest strengths are as a locker room veteran um, and a guy that you want around a young team like last year's Lakers team or uh, that Bulls team from two years ago. That's the type of teams you want Rondo around. And if a team values that that much to give, uh, take a flyer on a young guy, like uh, I can't even think of anybody right now. Um, Whatever, but a veteran's contract for a veteran's contract. Lakers end up waving that guy, whatever, as as it may be. I think that would be interesting, but I think it's far more likely that they cut him and just uh, use that designated player exception to throw as much money as they can at at Iguodala. Um, but that is that is the one thing I'm very interested in, and I think it's not it's not if they do it. To me, it, it has to be when they do it. That is too many guards and not enough wings that can defend the likes of Kawhi Leonard, Giannis, Paul George, which, to be fair, how many of those wings actually exist? But, you know, guys that can make life difficult on them. Yeah, KCP wasn't even making life difficult on on Kawhi. I do agree. <laughs> it's, not, it's not his fault, though. No, yeah. I mean, he was doing the best he could. It's just he needed to be, like, three inches taller. Um I mean, I agree. Something will eventually have to be done with this guard rotation. I, I, I don't think a trade is likely either for Rondo. I guess move on probably would have been a better phrase, and I would be stunned if they cut him. Um, with how much they've talked about him through the first, through the preseason and the first couple weeks of the season. Um, I don't know who will end up being the odd man out. I think when everybody's healthy, Troy Daniels is the one that's not going to get playing time. So maybe by default, he's the odd man out. Um, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. I don't know that any of them really have... Like, Caruso would have trade value, but he's probably the last one you want to trade. Yeah. Quinn Cook might, if he goes to the right situation, because he's still a fairly young point guard. He can shoot threes... But he's also the best shooting guard the Lakers have, so I guess it depends on what they be getting in return. That's kind of the problem with this guard rotation is they each have, like, one thing that they're good at. Like, <laughs> Avery Bradley's a good defender, and Quinn Cook's a good shooter, and it's just like, I don't know which one of them is most expendable. Probably Quinn Cook, because really up until Tuesday, I didn't think he'd been playing that great this season, and I say yeah. that as a... Duke fan that that loved him even back then. Um, so something will have to be done because you can't carry this many guards into the playoffs, into a seven-game series, especially with matchups against Kawhi and Paul George potentially looming. Um, you need to trade in some of those some of those guards for wings, um, whether it be in the buyout market or try to manufacture something via trade. The other problem that we've talked about is that the Lakers just don't really have anything to trade uh, of value. So, I mean, this basically has to be done through the buyout market, um, which will get kind of tricky. But they de- <laughs> the problem is I'm not really any more certain about 
this guard rotation than I was when the season started either. Yeah. The thing with Troy Daniels is I understand the appeal. He shot pretty well to start the season. I was pretty high on him. That he, I mean, even Vogel said that he had earned his spot in the rotation with the way he was shooting the ball. The only problem is, is when he's not making three pointers at a high rate, he's just kind of unplayable. Same thing could be said of Quinn Cook, uh, but with Quinn Cook, I think he's a little better at just penetrating and and creating his own shot. Troy Daniels isn't that. Troy Daniels is a guy that when your guards are cold you're just looking for a basket it's when you empty your bench and say like okay well give me what you got he goes off for like four three-pointers in a quarter i get it i get the appeal i just don't know if it's worth not having a big wing whether it be andre iguodala or boy that list gets really short after andre yeah. iguodala um Michael Kidd-Gilchrist probably isn't the route the Lakers want to go with their wing rotation. I would take him over probably Troy Daniels, though. What do you think Troy yeah. Daniels is shooting from three this year? Uh, just off the top of my head, uh, I want to say 33%. 26.7. Oh, yeah. Well, I was he, giving him a little too much credit there. Yeah, he had a re- – I mean, you were right. He had a really good start. Um to this season but he went four of eight against utah and since then he is shooting 17 percent from three he is three of 10 12 three of 17 in the last six games uh five games so i mean obviously we're working with really small sample sizes yeah um i think that the situation you described is the best for him kind of a break in case of emergency. Um, But, like I said, I think I'm not crazy about Michael Kidd Gilchrist's fit with this team, but I would take him over Troy Daniels just because he's a body that you can put on a Paul George or a Kawhi Leonard or name whatever wing you want, Donovan Mitchell or something, just to try to slow him down a bit for stretches or, or knock them off rhythm. And Troy Daniels is certainly not that. Right. And, you know, it's so funny. It was not intentional. Neither one of us mentioned Rajan Rondo's name at all during that conversation. Well, I just don't and, think the Lakers are going to cut him, unfortunately. Well, no, not, not even the fact that, like, even when we were talking about the guard rotation in general – his name just didn't come up, and the fact that he's kind of an afterthought, I think, just speaks to what he like doesn't bring to the team. Because the only time I've ever thought, wow, the Lakers could use a player like Rajon Rondo on the floor was against the Clippers mm-hmm. when the Lakers just desperately needed that second ball handler when LeBron wasn't on the floor. But even then, you can make the argument that Alex Crusoe would have been a perfectly serviceable if not better option for the lakers during that time and he's been that since since that game and outside of the chemistry he has with anthony davis which we've said on the show before is prevalent like it exists it's not overhyped they do play well together um but he's played pretty well without him too like i i don't 
think Anthony Davis's numbers are suffering because he's not playing with Rondo. I think he can go off for, you know, 30 and 15 playing with Caruso uh, just as well as Rondo. I, I think that's the biggest thing with with Rondo for me is I think he's a talented playmaker. Um, I think he assists hunts. Like oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, but, I mean, I'll give it to him. He, when he is on it, he's on it. Uh, and the whole appeal, uh, the whole appeal with keeping Rondo until April is, is hoping you unlock playoff Rondo, which the Lakers didn't get last season. Um, I don't know. I don't know with him. I would l- like to not have him on the roster. Um, just because I, I'm not as low on him as other people. I think if you put him on a young team, like, Who's the team? Oh, if you put him on the Golden State Warriors right now, we're starting Kai Bowman at point guard. And he's playing. I checked earlier today. He played 42 minutes the other day. Oh, my God. Didn't practice with the team because they don't want to run out of his two way days this early in the season with Curry and Russell out. It's an absolutely bonkers situation in Golden State right now. Uh, I will have a story up on the Warriors whole situation. Uh, with Dime Magazine tomorrow, little plug. Um, but the point is, I think he can be a perfectly fine player on any other team that doesn't need defense and three-point shooting. Or wins. Of which, yeah, or <laughs> or wins. I don't know. His his fit has always been clunky with this team, and really the only reason he's on it is because of AD. And that's a point I made earlier in the year. I think I made it in in our Slack, but listen, AD's really, really, really damn good. We we <laughs> currently have Rajon Rondo, who is little more than a corpse, basically, on the court, and an injured Boogie Cousins on the roster to appease him. So either AD is going to have to sign for like a five-year, $25 million deal, next summer or one or both these guys got to go like (laughs) we were we talked about who they might cut to bring in a wing player all having mentioned all the guards we did boogie's the first one to go because he's just (laughs) literally not even he can't even play which i think they'll keep him around the team and around the facility and whatnot but um he's obviously the first choice to cut, but yeah, after that, Rondo is definitely the worst of the guards, I think. Yeah, and man, I don't know. I I, I didn't bring him up because it's just kind of a frustrating topic to talk about because, like, really, there's not like you said. I I think I we I came on here and said after that Clipper game that they needed him. Uh, they haven't needed him since because they remembered <laughs> they have Caruso. So I mean. I just don't really see how he fits. Like once he comes back and whenever he comes back, maybe they are just keeping him day to day all the way until the playoffs and then just unleashing <laughs> playoff Rondo. But yeah, that is a, that is a theory that they're just holding him back until they need him. Like the moment Caruso gets an ankle sprain, it's going to be like, well, Rondo had a really good practice today. And he's, <laughs> he's set to go tomorrow. Yeah. I think he's he's supposed to be ramp ramp up to uh, five on five 
once they get back in LA, which sure, like, I don't know, <laughs> play him against Miami, I guess. See, see what Kendrick Nunn does with him. <laughs> oh no, I'd rather not. That or I mean, Justice Winslow plays point guard for him too, and he'll back down and have a field day against Rondo. So I mean, I don't foresee that going well for either of them. I am intrigued with this roster. They're playing well, though, and we'll wrap things up here by talking about the road trip, things that looked good that they can build on, Um, starting with their defense because the Lakers don't win any of those games without the defense they played. They play defense like I play defense in 2K when I'm down by, like, 12, and I tell myself, like, all right, Now's the time. I'm going to really start. Let's lock in. No more silly alley-oop dunks from half court. Like, really doing this. Um, and it's worked for them so far. Last I checked, they still held uh, the number one defensive rating in the they league. Do. I think they do. I'm might looking be, at it right now. Yeah, they do. Which is great. Like, the, the Lakers being the number one defensive team in the league tells me two things. One... Frank Ro- Frank Vogel is exactly who we thought he was. Mm-hmm. The whole reputation of having those good Indiana defensive teams and Orlando being the one outlier, like everything Lakers fans hoped Frank Vogel would be, he is. I think the offense is still a work in progress, but that's to be expected with a team that's brand new, brand new personnel. Um, I've seen a lot of plays out of timeouts that I really liked from Vogel. That play that he drew up for Danny Green to close the game the other day uh, against Dallas. Yep. That was incredible. Luke Walton uh, was never going to drop that play. Yeah. <laughs> and I say that I as mean, someone who stand for him. <laughs> Anthony Davis and, and Danny Green even went as far as to say that that was all, all on Vogel. So um, it tells me that. And it also tells me a man by the name LeBron James is putting an effort on the defensive end. And... Against Chicago, Kyle, again, small sample size. Kyle Kuzma had the second best defensive rating on the team behind LeBron James. I don't know how many games out of the season you could have said that last season, but my guess is not a lot. Uh, I'm trying to, I don't know that LeBron would have ever led the team in defensive rating last year. Like, he was kind of. He was kind of coasting early on to get a feel for everyone, and then about the time he would have ramped up, he got hurt, and he was never the same. Honestly, I can't... It would have been the Miami days, the last time LeBron was playing this hard on the defensive end, I think. Yeah. Or maybe... I don't... I would say maybe his first year back in Cleveland, but I I think it was probably during those like peak Miami years was the last time he was playing this hard both defensively not, and just in general. Yeah, it's not even like lockdown defense. It's just really it, it sounds silly, but LeBron James is such a phenomenal athlete and a physical specimen that literally the difference between him being a good defender and not is him running back on defense and in transition. Like how nuts is that? He doesn't 
he's he's such a huge body that literally all he had to do was jog a little more down the floor to be a plus defender. And it's absolutely bonkers. It's a lot of the little things that he's doing this year that he wasn't before. He's chasing out to guys on the three-point line to force them off the line or he's right. um you know like you said just getting back. He's not ball watching as much off the ball. He's staying focused on his man. Uh, on the ball my concern is how long he keeps it up i don't think he will do this for 82 games (laughs) um i would think at some point in the middle of the season he'll realize that the lakers are in a good spot and he can coast for 10 or 15 games yeah i had the same thought earlier today while I was staring into the abyss of my <laughs> white screen, figuring out what to write. Um, but I did think to myself, I wonder if this is LeBron saying, let's start off 20 and one, and then I'll start load managing a little bit. Like, I would 100% agree. That I think that's and what I think, it is. I think that's a, f- a fair thing I, I hadn't thought about, uh, but I think that's absolutely the case. Like the The better start they get off to, the more wiggle room they have to – rest LeBron against, you know, the likes of Memphis, the Warriors now. Yeah. The Warriors. And I say Charlotte lightly because Charlotte's above 500. I think. Yeah. The, um, I, yeah, I don't, the NBA is, is so weird right now. The first like 10 games of the NBA season are always so silly. The suns are pretty good. You can cross the suns off of easy wins list. They didn't even have DeAndre Ayton yet. So that's weird. Point is, um, if if you're like, let's just say best case scenario, Lakers are 10 games above 500, that makes it easier to roll out a starting lineup of, God, Rondo, KCP, Danny Green, Kyle Kuzma, and JaVale McGee. Nope. I don't think that lineup's ever going to be okay. <laughs> I would disagree. I that makes sense i like i think that's and we talked about this going into the season how the lakers are going to load manage and this is how by getting as many wins as possible against the teams you're supposed to be um the top five western conference teams getting those wins out taking the ones that come on the road in march um putting yourself in the best position to be as healthy as possible in the playoffs. So I think that's cool. Is it sustainable? Boy, I don't know. (laughs) We'll see with this team. LeBron James is 34, which is what I always go back to. He shouldn't be able to do the things he's doing. And I worry that one day he will stop. (laughs) I had that. I mean, I had that worry. He, Got hurt last year, and I thought, oh, this might... Like, I had the fear, like, oh, this is it. Like, this is where it turns. This is where he never really gets back. And then, like... And he did. Yeah, the stuff he's doing. Like, the dunk he had against Dallas, where it was in the fourth quarter, where, like... When they're just going on that, like, silly run. Well, yeah, and it was... uh, There was, like, a a ball tipped up in the air defensively, and he grabbed it. And kind of had a guy, I don't know if it was Luca or what, had a guy on his shoulder the whole length of the court, 
but he never slowed down and just rose up and dunked it and about ripped the damn backboard off the the stanchion like that LeBron couldn't have done that the second half of last year. LeBron wouldn't have even tried to race the ball up the court like that. So, I mean, like, he's back. And that is just – that's a play I keep thinking of for how hard he's playing because um, it took a little bit of defensive effort being in the right place, paying attention and whatnot. And then that was him going hard for 90 feet down the court and dunking it and – like like we said, I don't know how long he's going to do this. I tend to think it'll be like what you said, and he'll get the Lakers off to a really good start. And then, you know, start in January or February, him and AD will start kind of rotating load management games as they kind of go into the playoffs. Um, if that's the case, if they want to start like, 20 and 3 or something like that. Like I'm 100% for it. I think that's probably the best case this team has to be able to to load manage some guys is to take advantage of this really easy start to the year and uh then kind of reap the benefits a bit on the back end of it. Can confirm LeBron James is good at basketball. The reports are true. <laughs> um the one thing that has startled me to start the season I think it's a good like it's a good thing that we haven't talked about it more is three point percentage. Yeah. Because on this last road trip, they shot twenty nine point two percent from three on the road and still went three and zero, which is nuts. And that might have something to do with the fact that they averaged nine blocks per game during that time. Having a little like having JaVale McGee, Dwight Howard, and Anthony Davis soak up 48 minutes at center will do that. Um, but yeah, that three point percentage worries me because that was the whole thing going into the, this off season, right? Is Lakers need to sign shooters because last season they rolled with Lance Stevenson, Michael Beasley. Um, it just didn't work out for them. And the Lakers did sign shooters. They're just not making three pointers like Danny Green is the only one like making wide open three pointers. And I think even his three point percentage has, has dipped a little bit as, as we've played more games. Currently the Lakers are 26th in three point percentage at 31.7. Um, I think the difference between this year and last is that this year we have three point shooters that just aren't hitting yet. Like Kuzma, yeah. I mean, I mentioned Troy Daniels, um, how he's kind of slid off up and before last night or Tuesday. Quinn Cook wasn't shooting all that well. Guys like that, um, I think, will start to hit more and raise that percentage up. It is concerning. It's also um, a little concerning how many mid-range jumpers are taking. I was trying to find it while we were talking. I Somebody had tweeted it out that they were, like, top – it was definitely within top 10 in percentage of mid-range jumpers that they've taken this year. Um, that is about as concerning to me as uh, as the three-point shooting because just taking mid-range jumpers is bad offense. Um, so, I mean, ideally I would like to get rid of a bunch of those mid-range jumpers and replace them with threes, even if you're shooting 
31% like they are, it's still more efficient. And particularly if the shooters start to come around and you, you start to progress more to the mean, then it definitely becomes a more efficient offense. Yeah, um, and I'm looking at the numbers now. Um, the mid-range shot is the third most attempted shot on the team right now. Uh, behind above the break, above the break threes and uh, points in the restricted area, it's 126 mid-range shots, which not crazy about, especially at 35.7 percent shooting from the field. Not great, um, but I mean, you look at the players they have on the roster. Like their their superstar players are LeBron James and Anthony Davis. You hope those are if, if you have to take mid-range shots. You gotta hope those are the two guys doing it, just because they can score from almost anywhere on the floor. I mean, even Kuz yesterday, Kuz got a really good look from mid range, took it, went in. Um, I don't mind those shots if it's in rhythm, take them. Um, but God, what was it? The game against Dallas, Avery Bradley pulled up for a mid range jumper, a mid range pull up. For one of the last possessions of the game, I cringed um, as he shot that, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, "Ah, eh, there's Avery Bradley." So yeah, according to Cleaning the Glass, they are twelfth in the league in frequency of all mid-range jumpers, um, but they are. Let me change this to actual percentage accuracy. They're 28th in hitting those mid-range jumpers. So they're taking... 12th is better than I thought it was, but yeah, they are not making any of those mid-range jumpers. So if you substitute, they are... Yeah, they're only 26th in uh, percentage of three-pointers. And I'm assuming their accuracy is pretty low, too. Yeah, 26th in um, percentage made. So I... I'm willing on the offense. It's still such a work in progress that I'm willing to give that more time. But that's definitely one of the more concerning things I've noticed is just the amount of mid-range jumpers they're taking and not making, especially compared to the amount of threes they're also not taking. You know who's just sitting at home? It's, um, it's two people actually sitting at home. It's Nick, Nick Young and J.R. Smith just waiting for the call. <laughs> One of those I would shooters. be much more comfortable with than the other. <laughs> it's uh, You need a three-point shooter? Both of those guys shoot three-pointers. Without a doubt, shoot them. Can shoot them. Have no problem shooting them. Making them? I guess we'll just have to wait and see. Only one way to find out. J.R. Smith, I would take over... Troy Daniels at this point. Like, yeah. I don't mean to keep dumping on Troy Daniels, but he's just been like a very, he's been pretty much what I thought, just kind of a very average player who like only shoots threes and it looks really pretty, but I think there are other guys who can do other things that also aren't just like a turnstile on defense yeah. that you can keep out there more. I would. I think J.R. Smith would be one of those guys. I would take a flyer on him over would, Troy Daniels. I would take J.R. Smith from Cleveland two years ago, assuming he's the same player, over every shooting guard on the roster not named Contavious Caldwell-Pope. I think I've said this on the show before. I would take Avery. Are you considering Avery Bradley a shooting guard? 
Mm, no, but even then, I I'd still take Jarrett uh, over Avery Bradley. I think I'd take Avery Bradley over him, but the rest of the shooting, yeah. I mean, the rest I could probably get with. I mean, this guard core has just been like largely uninspiring. Aside from Caruso and I guess Danny Green. Um, yeah, really what I'm saying is I'd take him over Contavious Caldwell Pope. Like that player from two <laughs> years ago. Uh, I'd take I would, him over KCP. I would, I would probably too, but I would rather just take him over like Rondo or Troy Daniels or DeMarcus Cousins and keep KCP as well. Yeah. Well, Jacob, that is basically our show and we'll end it as we do every week with little quick fire predictions starting with Friday in Miami team that's looking pretty good to start the season I had them finishing 8th in the Eastern Conference Uh, I severely underestimated the impact Jimmy Butler was going to have on that team Um, and even just like Tyler Hero playing out of his mind uh, if I mean I was going to say if Zion didn't exist but he really doesn't exist right now (laughs) um I think he'd be in the conversation for rookie of the year with, with the way he's played. Um, he'll probably end up making like a second team or something, if not the first team, but he's looked great. Um, how do you see that game going? Miami's five and two on the season look pretty good. Uh, because of the long rest, I will say the Lakers, that'll be an interesting game though. I'm excited for that one and see, because they have a couple guards that I think could give the Lakers problems. Kendrick Nunn, too, has played really well. Yeah. I wonder um, how many nights are they here? I was trying to look that up myself. <laughs> I'm not sure how many nights. I don't know. If LA Nightlife is coming into account, then uh, then I'm definitely taking the Lakers. I think the only thing is that like, if they can survive Miami Nightlife, then I think That's LA right. Nightlife. They're actually going to be on the second night of a back-to-back. They play in Phoenix on Thursday. Well, let's hope that uh, bars are open late. <laughs> somebody just buy. I forgot when it was. It was like a year or two ago where somebody from Lakers Twitter uh, bought a basketball player drinks because they knew he was going to be playing the Lakers the next day. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, I don't remember that. Y- yeah. Uh, so and then the Lakers got the Raptors on Saturday or Sunday. My apologies. Um, the Raptors have looked good. Mm-hmm. I I think they're like a trade away from being a uh, back. Now nah, I don't know Eastern Conference Finals, but I think they'll win a few playoff series. Um, I I think they're a good team, uh, but I I think. The Lakers probably end up winning that game because having two superstar players is better than having, I guess, half of one in Pascal Siakam. I think they just match up well with, um, with the the Raptors, and I yeah, I think they'll win that one. We wrap up with the Phoenix. Oh, actually, no, we have a game on Wednesday too. That's going to be our first. Or second? I don't know. Our first. Our first recap pod of the season. Uh, And I'm sorry, Jacob, but it is a 7 p.m. start time, so we will be recording late. I will have Uh, some energy drinks ready. (laughs) Uh, But Tuesday Tuesday in Phoenix against the Suns, 
I would usually chop it up, chop chalk it up as a W. Um, but they've looked good, like surprisingly good. You give Devin Booker a competent point guard, and look at him go. <laughs> the uh, I don't know what to make of the Suns. Like de- they've obviously definitely been good. Yeah, but they've been like surprisingly good and like without Aiton like I don't know Baines is weird that's just a weird team that I it doesn't really make sense they're as good as they are like Javon Carter is the backup and he's shooting threes like he's Devin Booker and like making them at that rate so like I don't know that'll be a weird interesting game I'm still I think the Lakers will be favored I still would take them but they've struggled with like Guys like Aaron Baines in the past couple years, guys who can stretch the floor. So, I don't know. That'll be interesting. Counterpoint, the Lakers have Anthony Davis. Mm. And I like like that Anthony Davis-Aaron Baines matchup. Then again, who was it that they played? Uh, Phoenix? Phoenix played Philly and beat them, but they didn't have Embiid. Yeah. But I had Al Horford is what I'm saying. Yeah. Philly's a big team and they still came out. So who knows? <laughs> and then the Warriors. Um, I think Draymond's going to be out for the next three games. Don't know if that third game is against the Lakers. I don't imagine so. It's Wednesday. Uh, but Draymond's going to be out for a little while. D'Angelo Russell's still not healthy. Uh, Kevon Looney's not healthy either. And I think Jacob Evans is going to be out a little while. Yep. On top of Curry, Clay Thompson. Um, not looking great for the Warriors. I do like uh, Eric Pascal a lot. Or is it Pascal or Pascal? Couldn't I think tell it's Pascal. You. I didn't yeah. know who Kai Bowman was until last week. So <laughs> he's looked good. He's like a he's a he's a high energy guy. I think he's like a generous six seven. I guess all measurements are kind of accurate now, but he's listed at six seven. Looks a little smaller, but I like him. He's good. I just don't think he's going to guard Anthony Davis. I was going to say, if he's <laughs> starting at power forward, I don't know how good he's going to look on Wednesday. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. Lakers by, side. like, 25 in that game. That might be – I mean, is it at – no, it's at Staples Center. Um, I was going to say, if it's at Chase Center, don't know if the league or the Warriors would smile upon LeBron James load managing that day. But if it's at home – that might be our that might be our first rest game for LeBron James, especially if it's. Uh, I'd be hundred percent. Yeah, I'd be hundred yeah. percent for it. Um. All right. Well, that is our show. As always, we kind of went off track a little bit, but what's uh what's life without a little bit of chaos? Am I right? Exactly. Um. <laughs> it's, uh, college basketball is back. That's fun. The Lakers have a first round pick. Uh, so until we see you next time, enjoy all the basketball you can. Jacob, enjoy living in Indiana. Uh, and I want to wish you a happy early birthday. Thank you. Enjoy your weekend. Because if you don't, then I just won't show up next Wednesday. <laughs> I'll be sure to now. <laughs> see you guys next week.